Welcome back to the Remembering Ethan podcast. My name is Chris Tafoya. My guest today is Tony King. Tony is a good friend and a very talented drummer. And just like Ethan, he has performed with several groups of musicians over the years in the Phoenix music scene. As Tony mentions in our conversation, he and Ethan were a package deal for a long time, and together they had several long-standing bands and even more projects in which they provided a solid rhythm section for many musicians and groups. I have just as much love, respect, and admiration for Tony as I do Ethan, because he was just as supportive and encouraging of my music as Ethan was, and I met both of them at the same time. When I think of Ethan, I think of Tony, and when I think of Tony, I think of Ethan. Together, they were an integral part of my musical history and growth as a musician. They both generously gave their time, energy, and talent to my music, and we went on to record two albums together and perform several shows along with Randy Cavanaugh and Chris Reedy, and we were known as the Chris Tafoya Band. Even after I left Phoenix, uh, Tony and Ethan continued to lend their time to my music by recording tracks remotely, and to this day, Tony continues to be supportive and encouraging of the music that I create. I wish I could give you a list of the musical projects they performed in together, uh, but that list would be too long. And the overall idea is that they spent a lot of time playing music with each other and were probably the best rhythm section in Phoenix for a long time. In this conversation, Tony talks about his time with Ethan and shares his thoughts and memories in a way that leaves no doubt about how important Ethan was to him and how much love he had for his musical brother. So here is my conversation with Tony. I hope you enjoy it. Tony. Christophoya. How are you, man? I'm well, brother. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, everything's cool in my life, man. And I'm just so happy to be talking to you. I always love talking to you for a while. Yeah, you too, man. I, I miss you. I miss you out here in AZ. Oh, man, I miss you too. The point, I, It's going it's gonna to happen, dude. I'll get out there again, and we, we definitely got to get together and put a little show together and do, do our, our thing, thing, you know. Do our thing, record, play a show, do something. Yes, definitely. Give each other I'm bro looking. hugs. Oh, man, I think you and I definitely have a bromance. That's been brewing for about 20 years, and it just gets stronger with every year. Uh, <laughs> even miles apart. Yes. Well, with friends like you and Ethan and Alan, the love never ends, man, you know, no matter where we are. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's a real special thing, and that's why I decided to do this thing for Ethan, you know, because um, yeah. his absence is has left a huge hole in a lot of our hearts. And I think that talking about him and remembering him and stuff is a, is a great way to, to fill that hole a little bit, you know? Yeah. And, and nobody better for, you know, for, you know, to take the reins on this is, you know, you, I mean, I know you'll, you'll make this uh, right and you'll, you know, tell these stories the right way, you know, and um, just do it, do him justice, you know? 
Oh, thanks, Tony. I appreciate your confidence in me, man. <laughs> right on. Of course. You know, yeah. when I first when I first started uh, the idea and started contacting people and stuff, I thought, "Oh man, what am I getting myself into?" <laughs> There's a lot of people. <laughs> oh, I know. You know, and Ethan was so loved, and there's so many people. You know, and I spoke he with his mom. So many. Yeah. He did. He did. And when I spoke with his mom and his dad and Kirsten, mm -hmm. um, they all had their own idea of who I should talk to and they're giving me names and I'm, you know, I'm like, Oh my gosh, there's, you know, how many seasons of this podcast am I going to have here? You know, and, yeah. and there's so, so many, you know, I wanted to make the rounds with the, us mutual friends first, you know, people well, that right. I know and kind of get my feet wet that way. When I talk to people, I don't know, I yeah. can have a little bit more experience under my belt, but yeah, I appreciate your words, man. Thank you. Of course. Um, before we, before we get into talking about Ethan though, um, what have you been up to creatively um, in, in your musical life? I know that a lot of us that were in Ethan's life were musicians or creative creatives in general. You know, we all have some kind of creative endeavors. Oh, yeah. What, what have, yeah. Yeah. What, what have you been up to lately? What, what, what's your thing? I think the most recent thing is um, the JTM3 project that I've been doing now for, I want to say, a little over two years now, and that's with Jay Allen and Matt Henderson. Um, you know, after, I guess when Del Coa broke up many years ago, um, you know, we all got involved in different projects. You know, Ethan was uh, started playing with different people. You know, he joined Easton Ash, and at that time, I think Matt had left the band of Easton Ash. Um, Jay Poole probably took over there for a little while. Um, oh, that's another outlet too. I'll get into Jay Poole here in a little bit too. But um, awesome guy. Yeah, great guy. I mean, all these guys are awesome. That's true. But uh, I think uh, Jay and I started Jay Allen and I started doing duos uh, together, uh, just to kind of you know fill in some holes and just play music and just you know we're we're great friends and and Jay was also doing some gigs with Matt Henderson. Um, you know, Matt Henderson is a very talented guitar player and can sing anything. You know, he's a harmony guy and can hear those notes, you know, better than most people. And um, so they were doing gigs together. Jay and I were doing gigs together. And there came to a point where we were kind of chatting, or they were chatting, and they were doing this, uh, this Greyhawk gig, which is a the Greyhawk Golf Club, uh, on Wednesdays. And they just kind of... Somehow my name got brought up, and like, why don't we just make it a trio? You know, Tony can add like a third part harmony. And so um, Greyhawk was kind enough to kind of bump up the pay a little bit and brought me in. And ever since then, like I said, it's been about two and a half years or so, uh, we have been doing this trio, and we called it JTM3. J, Tony, and Matt, and there's three of us. I mean, we really put a lot of thought into that name. <laughs> but, it's a cool um, name. I hope so. The logo is cool. Um, it is. We're cool. I think we're pretty cool. <laughs> um, but, Man, uh, I love the I love the music you guys have been putting out. Whenever Jay puts something on his uh, music page, um, I listen yeah. to it and I download it, and it's in, it's on you know it's in my random playlist or whatnot. And when those songs come on, I just I love listening to to them. And I hear you doing some singing on, do you do some harmonizing on there, don't you? Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of yeah. the reason why I think it all kind of works. It's, you know, making Sounds every great. part harmony. 
Yeah, um, dude, you know, that sounds really if, good. If you know, usually Jay is singing the majority of, of the songs, and if Matt hears something before I do, you know, he'll take like the higher harmony, and then I'll just find something. You know, I'll find the lower harmony, or vice versa. Like we're, I think Matt and I are pretty good at just kind of being able to, to switch it up. You know, on the fly. I mean, there'll be sometimes mm-hmm. at a gig where I'm just like, hey, like my voice kind of hurts. Can you take the higher harmony? I can't get there. You know, he's, he's got a higher register than I do. So he'll take the high, high one, and I'll, I've been hearing his low part on a harmony on a song for a while that I can just kind of pick it up and just, and just kind of seamless that way. So that's been really cool. Well, it's a wonderful project, man. I enjoy what you guys are putting out, and I look forward to what you're doing in the future. Thank you. Thank you, man. It's well done. So how did you uh, meet Ethan? Can you remember how you met him? Yes. And we're going back to like 1990, maybe eight. Had to be 98 or so. So I was in Zoe Bowie, um, kind of like Zoe Bowie was like a, a rock lobster B band. The rock lobster was getting a lot of uh, double bookings, so they started. They formed a, a a second band, like a rock lobster B band, and um, so I was a drummer in that band. But we also had this this gig down in Tucson on Monday nights, and our bass player Kevin Eichrist at the time, uh, he was also going to nursing school, so he couldn't make those you know like a random Monday night gig, so. Somehow, Chris Phillips, who is Zoe Bowie, um, got Ethan's number. And Ethan, you know, he was at that time just kind of bouncing around, playing with everybody, you know, just, just who he was. Um, he would do these Monday night gigs with us, and that's that's how we ended up meeting. And so every once in a while, like on a Saturday night at Club Rio, which is the old devil house, it's not there anymore. I remember uh, Club Rio, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ethan would do some of those gigs with us on a Saturday night. You know, and Ethan was always very energetic, like the life of the party, always a smile on his face. I mean, never a dull moment with him. I mean, there's always just some some sort of excitement and just like some authenticity to the gig each and every night, you know. Mm-hmm. So he just, he just brought a lot of energy. And I think sometimes when you've been playing with some people for a little while and like somebody new kind of, comes into the fold, it just kind of, it just kind of vamps it up a little bit and just kind of makes it refreshing. So, and I think that's what Ethan did for me and for a lot of bands and people that he played with. Um, but yeah, that, that's how we first met. And then he was playing in a band called Who's Your Daddy? Um, and he, you know, I guess their drummer left or something and um, they were looking for a new drummer. And so I filled in one one time, and uh, they seemed to like it. And then that kind of, that band kind of fell apart. And then it be, then Alan Chadwick started playing guitar in Who's Your Daddy. Um, and then uh, they're looking for a drummer, and um, that's when Ethan contacted me. You know, he was talking to Todd Todd Miller, and Todd was like, you know, who's this who's this guy? And Ethan's like, oh, I played with him in Zoe Bowie. You know, I was playing around town. And then uh, I joined the band with them. So, and then that band turned into Tate, another, you know, letter band. Todd, Alan, Tony, and Ethan. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I remember like, Tate. Yeah. Yeah. JT and three. J Tony right. There's three of us. <laughs> <laughs> luckily all those acronyms luckily all those acronyms sound cool though, you know. It would have been weird if you guys if all your names started with a Q or something. It would have been weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so that was that was the first project you guys did together then, uh, Who's Your Daddy? Was that the first band you were in, like officially in with Ethan? Officially, yeah, I'd say Who's Your Daddy, but that was like the tail end of it, and then that's when we just just decided to, to rotate together. Yeah. And so Tate became like the, the our, our official band together. Mm-hmm. Then again, you know, I think it was like my, my birthday party way back when at Harold's, um, I was filling in for I think it was either Ethan Ash or the Ryan Sims band. And Ethan was playing bass in that band. And I was filling in. And I think that night, it was like I said, it was my birthday party. There was some little notepad that we had. And Ethan and I wrote down all of the projects that him and I had ever been in together. And I think we came up between like 36 and like 38 different projects. Like wow. At least we did. <laughs> at least we did like one song together, or you know, multiple gigs together, or bands that we were in together. I mean, it was just or some some formation of 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 guys that we had played together that you know we at least shared the stage with. It was like thirty six or thirty eight different projects that we had played in together, and we were just like, wow, you know. And for a long time, him and I were like almost like a package deal, you know. Sure. If you got this guy, you're going to get the other one, or you know, it was it was just kind of like that for a very long time. And him and I. That's how kinda, that's how it was when I met you guys. Right, right, and in the Christofoya band was one of those projects, you know. And the, you know, how many CDs did we do together? Two or three or something like that. Yeah, about two and three quarters. Because over the years, with my own, after I left Phoenix, you know how I have continued to write and remote work with you guys. And that time that I went to Ethan's house and we turned his living room into a recording studio and you came over and recorded a few tunes that have been on the past couple, you know, this album I just released. You're on four of the five songs. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, and that leads into my next question, because sometimes I wonder if you played with him the most as a rhythm section, you know, because you guys did so many projects and, and stuff together. And I was wondering... You know, what bands or projects you and Ethan were both a part of over the years? I mean, can you even remember them all? You know, what are some of the, the ones that <laughs> that stick out the most in your mind? And record, I mean, I know you guys have done a ton of recording, like with Jay Poole and probably yeah. just a lot of different uh, acts out there in Phoenix. Can you remember all of them? I mean, the ones that stick out, the obviously, the most are, are, are Tate stuff. You know, but that was just a cover band. You know, we I think we dabbled there for a little while doing original stuff, but it was Tate. Um, you know, obviously the the Jay Poole stuff is very, um, I would say more more recent. But then playing all the gigs with with you and Randy, you know, and the Christophoria band, um, you know that that band played quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. But it was just things like. You know, the Ryansons band, I played, you know, quite a few shows with them, filling in for, for Jeff or, you know, whoever the drummer was at that time. So, I mean, those are the ones that just kind of stick out the most. You know, probably had the most longevity was was Tate um, and, you know, the Christophoya project. So, 
those are the ones that out that are more fresh in my mind. Uh, you know, the obviously we spent a lot of time recording the Jay Poole stuff, uh, but he out the that Ethan played on the first record that Jay Poole did. Eleven. Um, no, no, almost oh. eleven was. No, there's one before oh. that that Jay Poole and Ethan did with their, with Jay Poole's buddy Kenny that lives out in the East Coast. Really, I need to get my hands on that man. I've got yeah. almost eleven. I I thought that was the first one that you guys had collaborated no, no, on. That, that, that what's, the na- what's the name? What's the name of the? What's the name of the album? Okay, first one, I'll have to, I don't remember. I'll have to ask Jay if he can get me a copy of it. Yep, I'm sure he, he's got a, I'd love got a few lying around. I'd love, yeah, right. <laughs> I'd love to hear it, though. Yeah. Well, that's cool, man. Hey, and I, do people do CDs anymore? <laughs> no, you know, I keep making CDs, but I'm very well aware, matter of fact, that uh, when I released Long White Line, I'm, I made 100 CDs, you know, and I got it. Yeah. And but, I was all excited. That's cool. That's cool because I right. like having my hands on me too copies. Yes, yes. I us, older kid, us, us older guys, that's what we did when we were kids. You know, yeah. before the CDs, we had our cassettes, right? And you'd open it and you'd uh-huh. smell the paper and you'd yeah. read who who produced it, who played on which song, all the lyrics. And uh, kids... Or vinyl kids, back then. <laughs> vinyl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've, I've gotten into the vinyl later in life. You know, I didn't have that experience as a kid, but the cassettes and then the CDs and I just I used to sit around and you know listen to the album and follow along and always uh, you know um, daydream about having my own CD and listening to my yeah. own songs and reading them all there so I can't help it dude I still make the CDs even though when I got mine I opened my CD up and I went to play it and I couldn't find a CD like, Wait a minute. <laughs> and then, like my laptop doesn't even have that in it the little hey, the little thing on, yeah yeah at this point i had to pause our conversation to help my daughter with some potty training issues that i decided to edit out but i would like to resume at a point before we get back into the interview because that situation with my daughter reminded tony of some memories with ethan that i thought would be important for everyone to hear speaking of a, a little poop story we're, uh, we're at Jay Poole's house one one afternoon uh-huh. and it was you know kind of like the band I think we we're over there at Jay Poole's like swimming I think Jay Poole had just moved into his, his house at this time and Nash my son who's now 15 wow uh, was probably he's probably two or three years old at the time mm-hmm. and you know Jay and Blue have dogs and I think Nash like <laughs> stepped in a piece of like a poop or something and Nash is freaking out and uh and I remember Ethan going over and like grabbing the hose and like spray I didn't know what happened he's like spraying him down so I'm like holding him up and Ethan's like you know wiping wiping his foot off and stuff and and like we need to get some soap and then we got some soap and like Ethan kept saying soap on the feet soap on the feet so like (laughs) after Nash was all cleaned up Nash was walking around going soap on the feet Soap on the feet. <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> that, that guy okay. gave me some, some fatherly advice even before I was a father. It was, it was so funny. I'm like, wow. This, he told me, like, I guess, you know, I don't know. But I was, you know, the fatherhood at the time. But he was just like, but now, now, Tony, you understand that, you know, kids not only hear what you say and they, they learn that way, but they, 
will also learn by what you do. And I was like, mm-hmm. just kind of caught me off guard. And I was just like, wait a minute, you're giving me advice, and you're not even a fa- you're not a father, <laughs> you know. But it always has stuck with me. So this very oh, man, day, it, it would have been awesome to have Ethan as a dad, and uh, Kirsten's daughter was super lucky to have to have him as a father figure yeah. there. You know, so look at look at Ethan's parents. I mean, they're great yeah. people. You know, they are. Great you people. know, I only I've only gotten to know them a little bit after Ethan passed away. I've talked to his mom a couple times. Uh, you know, I called her to get permission for this podcast, and, you know, and um, she was just super sweet. And I always, you know, I always knew that Ethan would talk about his mom, and I met her a couple times over the years, and I could just, mm-hmm. I got that vibe from her, you know. But um, it made a lot of sense as to how Ethan was the way he was, you know, after I yep. kind of spoke with her. And Absolutely. his dad is de- his dad's definitely a trip. It was interesting talking to him, you know. He's, mm-hmm. a, he's a really cool guy. And, Brad the dad. Brad the dad. Brad the dad. Yep. Um, so we were talking about uh, all the projects and stuff. You know, for me personally, Ethan had a huge influence on my life in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned a ton from him, even though it's not like he was, you know, standing around giving lessons out, but you, you just kind of absorbed his, his vibe when you're around him. Is there anything that pops out in, in your mind where Ethan has influenced your life? or any lessons you learned, or especially, you know, in your life in general, but especially the way you play your instrument or see music. I, I guess that's kind of... From the music aspect, I think we both learn from each other. Um, mm-hmm. And I would say one thing, and I think Jay Allen has really picked up on this a lot um, over the years working with Ethan, was having knowing how to give cues, like moving from section to section, or you know using hand signals or numbers to know like what chord was coming next. You know, but I I think you know a lot of people do that, but I think when I watch Jay, I think he picked up a lot of stuff like that from Ethan and. Um, I think I was able, I mean, I, I don't know, like, the number system, like, how to give use for the next chord that's coming, but just, like, a eye contact is very important when you're playing music in a live setting. Eye contact, just keeping your head up, your eyes up, watching what's going on as opposed to just, like, you know, having your head buried in your instrument or just, do, you know, looking away and you're just, you're not paying attention. Sometimes people just get sidetrack, there's a TV or something, or a pretty girl or something that kind of distracts you from, like, you know, what's going on on stage. Ethan was always like that person. As much fun as Ethan was having on stage, he always did keep his his eyes up and was able to um, kind of call out the next section if, you know, somebody wasn't familiar with the tune or if there was a sub. You know, I think just playing with him for so long, like, like like him and I just read each other very well. Just kind of gelled like that. Yeah, that's something I definitely picked up from him too. You know, any any band I've played in, I am aware of how dependent 
the whole band is, whether it's the bass player or the guitar player or the drummer, there's always one guy in the band that you can look at for your changes and for your cues. Right. And, right. you know, I was, I was talking to Mike Hill yesterday, and he talked about the same thing when I asked him the same question, you know, how Ethan always knew where the one was. And before I met before I met you guys, and you were generous enough to give me your time, you know, like I had been in El Paso, playing in a couple of unorganized projects here and there, and my timing was a little goofy, and I was still learning a lot. But I'd never been in a in a cover band necessarily, you know, where you get up and you play a good two hours. And and even though we were doing original music in our first project together, we would yeah. do some covers to fill in space. And um, yep. I feel very lucky that you and Ethan were part of my rearing of sorts in that cool. in that aspect of playing music you know when I went off to do my thing with Randy I had a lot of experience learning how to direct where the song was going being aware of where we were at in the song and I would always see in my mind you know Ethan either counting on his fingers or counting on his bass or you know doing that thing where he does like a fist pump brings mm. his fist down you know to end yeah. the tune um, yeah, and I have a feeling that a lot of people I talk to are gonna uh, parrot that, you know, because yeah. he was yeah. so good at it. He's very instrumental in in that aspect, you know. Just how about in your know. how about in your personal life? I mean, is there anything well, with the way he lived his life that that stuck with you? And well, just like that, you know, that comment he made about you know parenthood, you know, being a father, and I mean that that has stuck with me to this day. You know, but if there's anything that, like, what I truly miss, I just miss talking to him, dude. Yeah. I just miss talking to him, driving home from a gig. You know, we are, if, even if we were in different projects together, more than likely I could be driving home and make a phone call, and I could call him, and he'd be driving home, too. we talk about the gig. Or just, mm -hmm. or that, that contagious laugh. I know. Like he'd, he'd laugh, dude. I, <laughs> it just like, just just now, it just kind of brings, it waters my eyes because I just miss that laugh. It was so contagious, and like as soon as I heard that laugh, like, I felt better. And oh, for sure. And the other thing I think that stuck with me. You could be having the worst day of your life. I mean, what felt like was the worst day of your life, um, the worst day of your life. But you could get a call from Ethan, and by the end of the conversation, he would make you feel like you were the best thing that's ever happened on earth. He just made you feel like a hundred and you know, a hundred percent better. You know, he would just say the right things. I kept telling him all the time. I said, "Man, you should like write for Hallmark." Because <laughs> you say, like, the best things. Like, you just make yeah. everybody feel better. You know, and, and him saying the things like, you know, like, Colin, to wish you a happy birthday. It's like, you know, the world is better because you were born. You know, just those kind of things. Yeah. Just, he, I miss those those things, you know. And but, he did them effortlessly. You know, yeah, it was just, it's so, just na so natural to him. Yeah. You know, and he's like, man, you're my favorite drummer to play with. You know, he would say that. He probably said that to, to everybody. You know, he probably said that to all the drummers, which I, I know he, I know he did. But it's just, that's just who he was. He just made you feel better. And I just miss 
having those conversations with them and just chatting. You know, it didn't have to be about music all the time, but, you know, just, right. just about life, just stuff, you know. I agree, so, man. I, I feel the same way, you know. After I left you guys, I definitely have missed you sorely over the years. And, um, same, man. you know, at, le at least twice, two or three times a year, I'd get a phone call like at 2 in the morning, you know, and mm -hmm. and I, it would be Ethan's name. And it, and it was like I would stop anything or wake up no matter what that any time I saw Ethan's name calling. And, and he would he would get you go, you there? You there? And I'd hear a bunch <laughs> of people in the background clapping, you know, and he'd put the phone down and he'd play whore, you know. <laughs> he'd oh, go, yeah. He'd go, yeah. Christopher, the guy who wrote this song, he's on the phone right now. And he'd play whore. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and then uh, and then he'd pick he his phone up and, and put it towards the audience and everybody, yeah, you know, clapping. Uh, he, awesome. He'd get on there. He'd go, "Did you hear that?" I go, "Yes, Ethan, I love you." He's like, "I love you too. Talk to you soon." And he hang up. And it was like, <laughs> you know, it was so so meaningful to me, and it made me feel so good. And it just yeah. reminded me, you know, how much I loved him. And no matter what was going on in my life, when he would do that, man, I felt like I was the only person in the world. Yeah. Ethan. You know, he just had such a, and I miss, I'm not going to get those calls anymore, you know, but I have the memory of it and that, that makes me smile in and yeah. of itself. Right. Yeah. Do, do you have a, like a favorite gig that you play? I mean, I know you guys did tons of oh, gigs man. together. I mean, but do you have like one that sticks out in your memories or even if it's like a group of, you guys did a lot of traveling together too, right? So like on your travel gigs or any specific gigs. <laughs> I know I mean, you're thinking of one. <laughs> I mean, there's there's numerous, numerous. I mean, obviously the Reno stuff, the Alaska stuff. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's so much about about him, but it, and it was kind of in the in the sense that he was part of this conversation. But it was kind of me that was. I don't know. <laughs> We we went to um, Boulder, Colorado, to play a gig for one of Todd's friends, this guy Tony. Anyway, we on like our last day there, he gets us a um, a limousine, and we get picks us up and he drives us into to Denver, and we go catch a Colorado Colorado Rockies baseball game. You know, nice seats, but you know, obviously we start, you know, drinking before the game and everything else. And anyway, long story short, by the end of the night, like the limo driver comes to, to pick us up. And um, by this time, like I'm, I'm, I've, I've had enough to drink. <laughs> Let's just say that. <laughs> but he's, you know, you, when you sit in the limo, you never sit up in the front with the driver. But Ethan was. <laughs> so Ethan's <laughs> sitting up. He's sitting up front with the driver, and like the little window that separates, you know, the the cab from the back was open. Yeah. And they're all, I mean, they're like. Him and this limo driver having like this really like deep conversation, and it turns into like you know, you know where were you the first time you know you heard, and where were you when? Because this guy was older than us, so he was asking like, where, where were you when, you know, was the first man walked on the moon, and where were you when you heard about Kennedy getting shot? Like all these, you know, historical days, right? <laughs> these <laughs> these meaningful days in history, and all of a sudden my dumbass pops his head through the little window and I said, do you guys remember where you were when kids took off their makeup? And Ethan <laughs> just like, 
that laugh. There's that laugh, just contagious, like, bah, ah, 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 you know, and that was just like that, that gig. Like, it wasn't even a gig, huh? So I just went off like the beaten path. Sorry. <laughs> it was no, man. It was just that Ethan I love, laugh. It it. Just, I love that laugh, yeah. But obviously, you know, all the, the, the stuff in Alaska and Reno, all that stuff kind of ties in together. I mean, those people in, there, in Alaska were just crazy, you know. I mean, they would just send you just tons of alcohol to the stage, and I'm just like, I no, I can't. I can't drink all that stuff, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, there's so many gigs that, I mean, they all kind of get shuffled in the mix because there were just so many. I just really can't pick pinpoint one. We might need to um, have a follow-up interview on down the line where yeah, you take a, take a little time to think of some things, you know, and then, I, and then we oh, get yeah. back together in a little while and you can, because I can, you know, part of the reason I started this, like I was telling Mike yesterday, was because I love hearing stories about him. I've got my own memories and, and stories, but, um, you know, when he passed away, I was reading his Facebook page and. Dean Miller posted stuff, Jay Poole posted stuff, Mike Mercer posted stuff, and I mm. loved reading it, you know, and anytime I've talked to those guys and we're just kind of going back and forth with Ethan memories, it's like I could listen all day long, you know, and yeah. I, I I would think that you'd be one of the people in the world that has, like, tons of Ethan stories, and um, I want to yeah. hear them all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, there's, yeah. I mean, this there's numerous stories, you know, like, like I said, I just can't really pinpoint one right now. I mean, I'd really have to just kind of, well, think. let's, let's follow yeah. up in the future, you know, think about it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you spend a lot of time with him. What did you notice about the way he treated people, whether it was other musicians or people in the crowd or just people in general? Ethan was selfless. He always, was able just to strike up a conversation with anybody, you know, any person, any walk of life, and just treat him like a human being. Um, always so kind uh, and generous with his time, you know, to everybody. Mm -hmm. um, I think he just was just generally and truly, naturally a a people person just love people you know he's a smart guy you know he went graduated ASU and I mean most people that are playing music for a living uh, don't go and finish school you know they just they find another job or something like that but um, even he's just smart man he just he just knew how to read a person and just get along and just chat with, with people and just talk to people and kind of bring out the best in people, too. You know, and I, I think you could probably, if you ask anybody that, they probably, I, 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 wouldn't, I couldn't see anybody disagreeing with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think you could find many people that would. Yeah, and I think everybody truly just loved him for, for that, just being a, a genuine person, just a genuine person. There's no ego with Ethan, nothing like that, you know. He was all about making everybody feel better and, like, have a good time and just making you feel like 
like you were the most important person in the room. When I asked Mike Hill this question yesterday, he um, went to the word of genuine as well. Mm -hmm. And that seems to pop up a lot with Ethan, you know, because he was, you know, when I, when I met him, or before I even met you guys, I had asked Alan if he would do that Battle of the Bands with me, and Alan had a bunch going on. He goes, you should get a hold of Ethan Newman and Tony King. You know, these they're cool guys, real positive guys, and they're always down to play with uh, cool guys like you, you know? Right, right. And so I, I heard of this gig that Ethan was playing. I can't remember if you were playing with them or not. Most likely you were around that era that I met you guys. You guys were jamming along mm -hmm. together. And I went and saw him, and they just... Blew me away, dude. I couldn't go up to him after the show. I was too intimidated. I was like, this guy's way, <laughs> way out of my league. Uh, there's no way this guy's going to give me the time of day. You know, because that's how a lot of cats are that are good, you know? Yeah. Um, right. Where that, that was what I thought at that time that people were, and you never know until you talk to someone. But yeah. more often yeah. than not, that had been my experience. And so when, uh, and then so Alan, I remember Alan goes, did you talk to Ethan? I was like, no, nah, man, I can't go up to that guy, and Alan started laughing. He's like, he goes, look, we're doing this. Uh, uh, Tony, Ethan, and I are doing uh, this open mic thing. Come come out, and we'll get you on stage. And I came up and did all shit with you guys. And Ethan was so right. kind and so uh, encouraging, you know. And I remember when I finished, he comes up to me when I was walking off stage. He goes, hey, man, did you write that song? I said, no, no, I wish. He goes, oh, man, you play the hell out of that song. He yeah. goes, we're gonna we're gonna play together more. I I, I know it. Get get my number from Alan. You know, let's talk. And and I just made me instantly at that moment. Uh, I could just tell that this guy was a really nice, generous, kind person who mm -hmm. you know. And and I knew my timing was. I you know I knew that I wasn't all that great. You know, but he just saw something in me that gave me the confidence to do it. Yeah. And, and from people that I've talked to so far, it seems like he that was universal for him, not just with any one person, you know. Yeah, everybody, everybody, you know. And that's what that's what made him so unique, you know, mm -hmm. in that sense. Like there was no ego with Ethan. It was just always just let's have a good time, you know. Let's let's make this yeah. work. How can we make it better, you know? Always positive. Yeah, a great model for people, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you, I go to that any day. Oh, for sure, man. And you were happy to have him on your team, you know? Yep. Mm -hmm. And even people, you know, I remember over the years him talking about people that weren't like him or perhaps a little narcissistic or whatever. And even when talking about those people, he never had like a really, he was never negative about who they were. He might poke a little fun at them or, tell you a funny yeah. story, but he'd yeah. still jam with them, and he'd still see the good in them. Yeah. You know, yeah. and and I remember thinking, I wouldn't jam with that guy, you know, but Ethan would, man. You know, he would, and he'd make that guy feel as if though he was just as important as anyone else. Yeah, him and I did this recording session, and um, this guy, he was like, probably like a Hells Angels guy or something, I mean. Uh, I don't know. It was just he, we got called in to do this session and do this one song with this guy. This guy had really no idea. I and what I think he probably didn't really know what he was doing, but Ethan mm -hmm. was kind enough to kind of explain to him, you know, 
what could make the song better. And we even made some changes to this guy's tune. And this guy, who probably could have had us taken out right then and there, was <laughs> was was accepting of the constructive criticism that Ethan kindly put it to him to make his song better. And like I was just like, man, he did that with with so much poise, you know, to 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 tell this guy that like his song really wasn't all that good, but this is what could make it better. And how about if we did this or if we change this or how about this chord, you know, here, you know? So that was that was really cool to watch, and just to see him put it so kindly to this guy, and and this guy was like, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, and he just had that gift to 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 do that, you know. He really did. Yeah, he did it with me when we were, you know, when you and Randy and I and Ethan would rehearse. Um, he just had such a smooth way of of suggesting a change or adding something to the song, and it never felt like, I've got a better idea than you do. It needs to be yeah. this way. Right. You know, right. It, it was always like, and and you'd almost kind of think it was your idea. <laughs> right. You know, he was just so <laughs> smooth at that. You know, it was such an amazing thing to see, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember the last gig that you played with Ethan? You know, I I was just thinking about that the other day, and and right now it escapes me. I mean, it's been a long time. Um, I I I don't, not right now, because we were, you know, we had done. There was a long time after, you know, Delcoa had had, had was done, um, the Tate stuff. Um, gosh, we there was there was a. The gigs got far and fewer as time went on. You know, he was involved in doing his own thing, you know. By this time, I'm playing a couple different bands, so if our paths never crossed gig-wise, I mean, there was talks of me doing some gigs with him and, and Kirsten, um, but nothing ever ever came of it because I was I was busy and it just never just never lined up, unfortunately. But I can't think off the top of my head when the last gig that we 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 did. Um, how about um, do you remember any of the last conversations you had with him? Yeah, one of the last conversations I had with him had to deal with uh, a friend, and um, they're drinking. So him and I discussed in very long detail about that. And Ethan was, here, here's another Ethan thing, just going out of his way to make time for this person, to tell this person, because they just, they lived near each other, saying, hey, if you need to call, or if you need to, you know, to talk to somebody, you can call me, you know, let's, let's make this, um, let me help you. What can I do to help you? And he was just, like, like, like I, again, very kind and selfless with his time and so I remember having discussions with him about that um, you know and then he always just you know would, would call him just to, to check on how I was doing and how how my boys were 
So I think that was one of the last conversations that him and I had. And didn't think that that would be the last one, and that's just, that's just the way it kind of worked out. Right. Well, yeah, none of us did after our last interactions with him, you know. Yeah. And um, I'm sure that uh, we all had positive interactions with him, you know, the yeah. last conversations we had. And Man, Tony, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to talk with me today, man. I have I have one more question yeah. um, for you and, and thing to talk about. What we, we need to, though, follow up in the future, you know. Your homework yeah. is to think of some specific stories, uh, mostly selfishly for me to just sit back and listen to. Because, like I said, I could listen to Ethan's stories all, all the time. But, sure. um, you know, if I had Ethan with me here right now, and you had the opportunity to have one last talk or one last thing to say to him, what would it be? I love you, man. I love you. I mean, ah, <laughs> so much to me. Yeah, I mean, we all love him, man. Uh, I would, I'd want to dig into another project with him just to rekindle that, I don't know, rhythm section flame that we once had. And, um, yeah, that would be, that'd be it, man. Just tell him how much I love him and I appreciate him as a, as a person, as a friend, as a confidant, and just, um, that meant so much to me. He touched me in so many ways that not to be here anymore just uh, just hurts. It's been all, all, this, all this time and it just still feels like it was yesterday. You know, bringing these feelings out, it just, um, it just you realize how much you really miss that person, how much they really meant to you. You know, I'm not, and obviously, I'm not the only one that feels this way. You know, there's other people that obviously, like Kirsten, and it had a much deeper relationship with him. You know, I wasn't able to be around him every day like she was, and how special, you know, he made her feel every single day. So, I miss, I miss those those times. I miss those times. You know, um, again, I kept I keep referencing my conversation with Mike yesterday, only because you're the second person I've talked to, so that's the only thing I have to reference. But you know, um, one thing Mike said that stuck out to me was that Ethan was, even if he was alive today, we'd still be talking about him exactly the same way. You know, Absolutely. some 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 people pass away, and you and you tend to kind of look at them through a, 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 a rose-colored glasses a little more. You know, you remember the good things and kind of put the bad things aside. But um, with Ethan, I don't think there's any differentiation there, whether he was still with us or not. You know, I think Mike said, yeah, you could be doing a podcast about um, Ethan now. How Let's have a podcast about how cool Ethan is, you know. And yeah, yeah. It'd be the, the exact be same, same thing. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah, we'd be talking about him exactly the same way. Right. 
Thanks again, Tony, for your time, man. You know, Ethan was always yeah. about helping his friends promote their projects and creative endeavors. And um, I kind of asked you earlier, but do you have any plugs or information or anything you'd like to share with the audience about what you're up to creatively so they can check it out? I mean, you mentioned JTM3. Do you, have yeah, a, do you guys have a web, website or social? Uh, you can find us on the socials, um, JTM3Band. Um, Instagram, we're on Facebook. Uh, we do have a show uh, coming up. I mean, we have shows in between, but um, like a big show coming up at the MIM, August 30th, um, down in North Phoenix. The MIM is the uh, Musical Instrument Museum, which is a very uh, small, intimate theater. Um, so we have a show coming up then. August 30th, you can buy tickets online at, uh, at themim.org, I believe it is. Um, and I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to that. Awesome, man. I wish I could be there to to see it in person. You know, and someday I will be. What? And why, why don't you? Why don't you make a special trip down? <laughs> it's going to happen, Tony. It's going to happen, man. And, you know, before I let you go, too, I want to say that, you know, I love you so much and I appreciate all of the support and encouragement you've given me over the years as well. And, you know, all of the tracks that you have done and will do for me in the future on my own songs. And I just, I really appreciate you, man, you know, and, and having Thank Ethan you. in my life, you know, it just, him passing just makes me love all of you guys even more, you know, and, right. and know how much, how important it is to let, to let you know, even though I know you know, I always flirt with you. <laughs> but um, I love you too, man. You know, I love you and, too, and it's, it's been awesome to watch you grow as a musician over the years as well. And um, you're a great person, man. And we learn from one of the best in our brother Ethan, is you know, on how to treat people and just how to love people and and you know just yeah. talk them up. So love you too, man. How to live loud and how to play music loud and uh, not necessarily loud, but just not worried about what other people think. You know, I, and like he he turned me on to that Victor Wooten book. Yeah. And um, I could tell that he lived his life that way as well. You know, he let the music flow through him that the universe would give to him. Yeah. And he didn't and he didn't try to censor it at all. You know. Right. Right. Well, Tony. Uh, we're going to talk again soon, man, on Down the Line. And okay. um, thanks again for taking the time. Love you, man. Of course. We'll anytime. You're anytime. Love you too, brother. All right, Tony. Take care. So there you have it. That was my conversation with Tony King. I think he did a wonderful job articulating his feelings and sharing memories of his time with Ethan. I hope that in the near future, we can talk again so we can share some more memories and stories. If you'd like to learn more about Tony, he is available on Instagram and Facebook. And be sure to like the JTM3 Facebook page so that you can keep up with their music. In my conversation with Matt Henderson recently, um, he let us know that they do have some new music coming out in the future, so make sure to keep up with them. If you enjoyed my conversation with Tony, Make sure to check out his interview on Brian Chartrand's podcast, So the Story Goes. 
It's a great conversation and very entertaining. I think you'd enjoy it. You can find Brian's podcast on all major podcasting services. During our conversation, I told a story about how Ethan would call me and play a song called Whore, so I thought I would give some background information about that song. Whore was a song that I brought to Ethan early on, and he seemed to really like it. So much so that he would perform it on his own at his acoustic shows. So I thought it would be fitting that we end today with the Christofoya band recording of that song, which is featured on our first album, Turn Off Your Television. We recorded that album live at a place called Sugar Daddy's in Scottsdale in 2004, and it features Tony on drums, Ethan on bass, my good friend Randy Cavanaugh on lead guitar and backing vocals, and Chris Reedy on percussion. And towards the end of the song, you can hear Ethan singing some backing vocals with me. If you'd like to hear more music from the Chris Tafoya Band, you can find it on all major streaming services under the name Chris Tafoya. And you can also listen on my website at ChrisTafoyaMusic.com. Please make sure to join me for my next episode where I'll be speaking to Mike Mercer, who was the lead vocalist for the band Capital Down. Thanks for joining me, and we'll see you soon. Type of whore who dreams